Here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this email Friday, January the 27th in the year of our Lord 2023. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. Now, especially on Thursdays with Wes Reimnitz, we often talk about things that may not be appropriate for children as to what is happening in the world. But today, we're going to be talking about an email that I received that if you have children and they want to know what really Lutheran theology is about, this is a great email. It's written by Pastor Dan Delzell, D-E-L-Z-E-L-L. He's the pastor of Redeemer Lutheran Church in Papillion, Nebraska. And you know what the title is? Are You Too Good to Get to Heaven? Interesting. Caught my fancy. So, he begins, Man naturally assumes that eternal life is awarded to those who do plenty of good works during their life on earth. If you asked 100 people how someone gains entrance into heaven, you would see what I mean. The common assumption is that getting into heaven is merit-based. Now, what does Pastor Delzell mean by that, merit-based? Well, it's like when you work. Let's say you're working at a factory or at a restaurant, and at the end of the week, you hope to get paid for what you have done. That would be a merit-based. It's not a gift that you're giving from your place of employment. It's actually what is owed you. Now, that's what a lot of people think about in regard to heaven. They try and be really good, and therefore they jump to the conclusion that God owes them heaven. But Scripture comes along and blows that misguided theory out of the water. After all, Romans 3, 10 to 12, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Now, obviously, in the context, the Apostle Paul, in writing to the Romans, is not referring to Jesus Christ, because he, of course, is someone who is righteous. But since the fall of Adam and Eve into sin, we have all inherited original sin, and we therefore live on the basis of our sinful nature. And that's why the Bible says, there's no one who does good, not even one. Now, we're talking about people who do not have faith given by the Holy Spirit. In the Lord's eyes, all have sinned and broken God's commandments. For example, Galatians 2, 21. 
or I'm sorry, James 2.10. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. That's James chapter 2, verse 10. That's really interesting that some people think, well, I haven't murdered anybody, I haven't committed adultery, I haven't stolen anything, but they may gossip or they may not worship God properly on a Sunday morning. Guess what? That means all of their good works are worthless because by breaking one commandment, they are guilty of breaking all of it. How do you understand that? The first commandment, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And a lot of people don't understand this, but the rest of the nine commandments are examples of how we don't have the true God before us. Yes, you may not have murdered anyone, but the Sermon on the Mount shows even if you have hatred against someone, even if you say a bad word against them, guess what? You've broken the whole law. This is why God sent his only begotten son to pay for our sins on the cross. It was the only way we could be reconciled to our Father in heaven. Believers, that is, those who trust the promises of the gospel, which is the forgiveness of sins, the gift of the Holy Spirit, you are righteous in God's sight on account of your faith in Christ. Galatians, which is my favorite book in the Bible to show the distinctions between law and gospel. Here's what it says in chapter 2, verse 21. If righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. That's a really important quote. If righteousness could be gained by obeying the law, then why did God give us the law? Well, he gave us the law in order to convince us of our need of a savior, someone outside our life who will come in and forgive our sins, pay for the debt we owe God. And that's Jesus Christ on the accursed cross. Now, some may ask, what if a person sincerely tries to live a good life but does not believe in Jesus as Savior. Notice that many people assume that sincerity is enough. The Chinese philosopher Menkius said, sincerity is the way to heaven, but is it? The Bible reveals that multitudes of people are sincerely wrong about God, about human righteousness, about heaven, hell, and the path to paradise. Proverbs chapter 14, and we're going 
through the book of Proverbs on Wednesday has tremendous insights. And here's what God says in chapter 14, verse 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. That's what happened to Adam and Eve. When they sinned, they died. Now, people will say, no, they didn't. They kept on living. In fact, Adam lived for centuries. But that's not life from God's point of view. Now, they died in the sense that they were now members of the kingdom of Satan when they sinned. God brought them back into the kingdom of God when he made that promise to Satan that through the seed of Eve would come a savior. And Eve believed that. In chapter four, verse one of Genesis, she says, I have gotten a man, and that's the birth of Cain. And she says, this is the Lord. Now she was wrong on that. Cain was not the Messiah. He was the first murderer but Christ was coming centuries later. Now, the purpose of Christ's crucifixion was not to change God's mind about heaven. Namely, well, if you follow my example, then God will let you into heaven. No, the purpose of the crucifixion was to provide forgiveness for sinners, so that we could, in fact, actually enter heaven. And that forgiveness, we have said many times in recent programs, means that God is no longer holding you accountable for your sin. You will not be punished in heaven. You may have temporal punishment because there is no forgiveness in the temporal realm but there is forgiveness in the heavenly realm and God will declare you to be guiltless through faith in Jesus Christ. So it's the blood of Jesus shed on the cross that has the power to clean you, to wash away your sins. This spiritual cleansing refers to your being declared holy. That's what the word holy means. It also is for the word saint. A saint is a person who has been cleansed of the sins. And that cleansing took place in the blood of Christ. So what we have here is that your robes turn white because of the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ shed on the cross has the power to clean you from your sins. This occurs, by the way, the moment you rely upon the sacrifice of Christ for your salvation. If you trust in your good works to save your soul, that is futile. After all, performing 10,000 good works does not wash away a single 
sin. It's like going to a doctor and you have an illness and he says you need to start taking this drug or you may die. And you tell him, no, I'm not gonna take the drug. I'm gonna get on a diet. I'm gonna be a good person. I'm gonna help out my neighbor. And that's how I'll get rid of this disease. No, you can perform 10,000 good works and your disease will not go away. The disease of a single sin sends you into the realm of Satan. Now, it's not that God doesn't want his children to do good works, but he says you first need to have faith in Christ alone. Those who rely upon their own righteous acts for salvation remain lost in their sins. The only way to be justified before God is through faith in Christ alone. That faith means to trust his promises. For example, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Notice the word belief is very, very important. That's Christianity. No other religion has that way of salvation. Now, the Apostle Paul had plenty of experience trying to work his way into heaven. But after his conversion on the road to Damascus, his entire perspective changed. He wrote, we know that a man is not justified by obeying the law, but you are justified through faith in Jesus Christ. So we too believe in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ, not by observing the law, because by observing the law, no one will be justified. That's Galatians 2, 15 and 16. I would say it's kind of like going to court. You robbed a bank and you tell the judge, I'm really sorry. I repent of it. I will never rob the bank again. And instead, I will do good works for people. The judge will not accept that as a way of you not having to be justified by a penalty of either a fine or time in jail. You realize what this means, don't you? A person can actually think he is too good to make it into heaven. Those who seek to earn eternal life by their own righteousness, they are committing a fatal error. The Greek Stoic philosopher Epictetus said, all religions must be tolerated for every man must get to heaven in his own way. Now, compare that philosopher's proud declaration to the words of the Messiah who said in John 14, 6, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. Recall one of the thieves being crucified along with Jesus, said to the Lord, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, the thief wasn't saying, remember me because I'm being punished and I am paying for my sins, or remember me because I'm going to be doing a lot of good works. He knew he was going to die on the cross. And so all he could ask for is that Jesus would remember him when he came into his kingdom. And Jesus answered him. This is Luke 23, 42 and 43. I tell you the truth. Today, you will be with me in paradise. And on that good Friday, both the spirit of the thief and the spirit of Jesus went to paradise. Remember what Jesus said on the cross? One of his final words, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Eternal life in heaven is a free gift. You cannot earn it. You can't buy it. You can only receive it. It's a gift. Eternal life is free. Do you understand that? In one of the final verses of the Bible, Revelation 22, verse 17, whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. And we know what the water of life is. When Jesus spoke with the woman at the Samaritan well, the disciples were amazed that he was talking to a woman. She had come to the well at noon alone because of her bad reputation. And it was in the heat of the day. And Jesus said, I am the water of life. She came to believe that went back to town, told her friends, and they began to believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And these Samaritans went out and visited with Jesus for a few days and were saved, not because they were doing good works, but because they believed in his promises. Once a person realizes how far your sins have separated you from God. You then become thirsty for God's grace. So it's important to look to Jesus today and receive the free gift of salvation. Those who repent and receive that free gift instantly become inheritors of eternal life in heaven. That's what Jesus says in his parable of the sheep and the goats. He says that they will inherit the kingdom of heaven. They don't earn it. They don't merit it. They inherit it. And inheritance is a gift given freely. Sounds too good to be true. Oswald Chambers wrote, the reason it is so easy 
to obtain salvation is because it cost God so much. We are to humble ourselves before God and admit that we have sinned against him. Unless, of course, you think you're too good to get into heaven. If you are striving to save your soul through your own efforts, then the authors of the Bible, the prophets and the apostles, they feel very sorry for you. Until you stop trying to save yourself, you will fail to enter into a relationship with the Messiah. Now that doesn't mean that you should not strive to do good works. Because once you are justified through faith, you then love Jesus so much, you desire to do good works. Therefore, good works are only able to be done by somebody who already has faith in Jesus, believes his promises, and is looking forward to heaven. Simply let go of your own efforts and let God be God. As we trust Jesus as our Savior, you reject the idea that you can be good enough to work your way into heaven. Only then will you be able to understand and appreciate these words which the Apostle Paul wrote to Christians in Ephesus chapter 2, 8 to 10. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And how did he prepare you to do those good works? By giving you faith in Jesus Christ, which you received either in the sacrament of baptism, along with the gift of the Holy Spirit and the forgiveness of sins, or many of our missionaries simply speak the words of scripture. People hear them and the Holy Spirit creates faith in the hearing of those words. You see, Christians do good works, but not in order to be saved, but because we have already been saved through faith in Christ Jesus. That's what the faith of Christianity is all about. The righteous acts of man cannot wash away any of our sins, period. Faith in Christ alone is the only way to be saved, redeemed, justified, born again, and forgiven. And that salvation occurs as the front of your relationship with Christ Jesus. What is following 
that relationship are your desire to do good works. So good works are definitely a proper life for the Christian. But those words about being saved, redeemed, that means that God paid a heavy price to buy you out of slavery. Justified means that you are declared guiltless. Born again. Remember what Jesus said to the individual who wanted to know how to be saved. Well, you must be born again. He said, how can I get back into my mother's womb? And then Jesus said, no, you are born again by water and the Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes into an individual. Salvation occurs, therefore, as the front end of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Good works follow after. And any good works done as the front end in order to merit salvation are always done for the wrong reason. Because you're saying, I don't need Christ and his work on the cross. I can pay for my sins myself. And that is sin. Therefore, to do a good work in order to get on God's good side is to try and bargain with God, who will not bargain with you, because he already declared you to be forgiven by Jesus Christ. And that forgiveness is yours through believing the promises of the gospel. That was the message of Jesus. There was much law in the Old Testament that John the baptizer used to make people aware of their sinful condition. But then remember what he said, behold, there is the Lamb of God who's come to take away the sins of the world. And he did that not by moving you to do good works, but by dying on the cross, paying for your sins, declaring you forgiven, and having you reborn. This is an excellent article by Dan Delzell, pastor of Redeemer Lutheran Church in Papillion, Nebraska. If you would like a free copy of this, email me at lawandgospel at lawandgospel101.com and we'll be glad to send you a free copy. Till Monday's Law and Gospel, God bless Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check out to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962.
Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.